Regular listeners of the podcast will remember that I have talked about this man before. Anybody who has read my blog for the Folger Shakespeare Library knows that I have written about this man before. And now I finally get to meet him and talk to the man himself, Daniel Jose Molina, who was the definitive Hal in both parts of Henry IV and also then Henry V, the following seasons, two seasons back-to-back at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival a few years ago, and I'm finally getting to meet this young whippersnapper who is so good with the Shakespeare. I, 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 don't, I don't know where to pray. I don't know whether to praise you or to knock you down. <laughs> You're too kind. I don't know what to say. That's a hell of an intro. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 723, Becoming Henry V. A few weeks ago, I braved the elements and the COVID to venture out while wearing a mask to an outdoor terrace to safely and socially distantly speak with Daniel Jose Molina, the young actor who so magnificently played both Hal and King Henry V in the three plays that make up the Henriad at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2017 and 2018. Daniel and his wife, Alejandra Escalante, who played Hotspur to Daniel's Hal and who I spoke with on the podcast a few weeks ago, are riding out the quarantine here in the Chicago area, so I was thrilled to meet them and just fanboy all over them. You heard Alejandra a few episodes ago. Now here is Daniel Jose Molina. The world that we're living in right now, just to hear someone saying stuff like that about stuff that happened before, I'm, I'm honored to, to, to get to meet you and to have this opportunity, yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, those, uh, I want to, I'm dying to talk to you about just the fact that you got this opportunity yeah. at Oregon Shakes. It's amazing to play Hal, not only in one play, but in both plays, and then to see his maturation into Henry V the following season. How did, how did that, how did those roles come to you? How did did you begin as an actor? Where did you get your skills and ability with language at what I seem to be a young age? Although now I'm seeing a little gray hair and your a little oh. gray hair in your hair, and that's making me feel better. Just the past few months, they came in. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, actually, uh, it started with uh, the sort of I don't know if you heard of it. The Reduced Shakespeare Company did. Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. Actually, my very first drama class in uh, I want to say was uh, my junior year of high school. I started late. Um, <laughs> that. Uh, they, I don't know, my teacher was hungover or something, and he wheeled out the TV and was like, here, you're going to watch, and he had two tapes that we watched, like, multiple times, and one of them was the uh, Sweeney Todd production with uh, Angela Lansbury, sure. and the other one was the video of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Oh, my God. And uh, I knew some about Shakespeare. Obviously, it was very, very funny to me and uh, the other nerds in class, <laughs> but... Um, just the the variety of stories that I got to go through and honestly with RSC it was the first time that I realized that it the fun of it wasn't academic which is the stuff that was shoved down my throat in high school was the like Great. And why do you think that symbolizes it? Why? What metaphor is Hamlet? You and it's like, I barely have a grasp on the story, and you're asking me to break down just the yeah. literary devices yeah. rather than why should I care? 
Right. And uh, RSE, I just remember also too, it was the first time that I learned about that there were things as the histories, which would go on to become my my personal favorite in all of Shakespeare, because it is just one long Game of Thrones, amazing it really is. story. It's so much fun. But um, no, I, I got into theater. Uh, there was a girl I liked that was in the uh, drama club, and then that's why I'm here now. I, I, it's crazy to think of it in that way. Uh, but that's true for so many of us. But thankfully, I really, really liked it. I, I always uh, loved reading, uh, and I don't know. It, it never started as... Uh, as like an ego thing or I need to be in the spotlight it was uh, the people it went on from being the girl that I liked but then I made such really great friends and uh, a couple people told me I wasn't terrible at it and uh, I always knew I wanted to go into uh, school for the arts so I, I applied everywhere to go to a film school I really wanted to go to NYU that was my dream school and uh, I didn't get in and strangely enough, almost in like a bizarre world, my uh, pretty conservative uh, Puerto Rican mother was the one that said, you know what, maybe you should go into acting. You seem Ooh. to like it a lot. Wow. Which is like, I, I, was, I did not expect her to say that. And I started applying to acting schools. I got into Savannah College of Art and Design, uh, which in its day, when I was there, uh, the faculty that they had was just tremendous and was like almost pitch perfect exact like a dream team of Shakespeare professors both people that uh, were big Shakespeare scholars and a lot of them that had practical application in working in it whether they're directors or actors um, Sharon Ott uh, Lawrence Ballard who worked a ton in uh, Seattle was a, my mentor really and he really took uh, uh, Shakespeare to a whole other gear for me um, that no it really became uh, I don't know I don't know how to explain it, why I like it so much but I, I really really do well, I think and, it's I, I, well I'm, I'm tickled and delighted that the that our our performance uh, was uh, instrumental in your uh, in your training your upbringing but um but uh, but 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 that's you you demonstrate that that's the way that Shakespeare should be uh, first experienced is as performed, not read. Right. You know, you get to see that. Oh my God, it is funny. Right. Even the even the tragedies are funny, especially the tragedies, are funny. Um, you have such a facility with the language. I mean, the way it comes out of your face feels both natural and um, and poetic, mm. uh, in a way that not even some great actors don't have. Mm. And 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 how does that? How did that come up? Do you have a? Did you have a particular teacher who is just just feels like, hey, I know this language. It's like speaking my own mother tongue. It, it was. Uh, I did have great teachers that, from the very beginning, I was uh, very lucky that they always stressed, do not sound like something. Work it out like a human being. In front. Like the, I, there, there's a difference between. Um, being clear so that everyone hears you and understand clarity of thought as well of, of the point you're trying to get across but that doesn't mean you should for some reason now have an accent or, or, or it becomes um, as if you're trying to rattle off poetry rather than someone trying to solve that problem right then and there and it's a really fun thing where you see where people in extremely high stakes situations will start using metaphors or this or that because that's the mind trying to race to a solution out of an incredible situation, um, or at least hopefully they're very smart people that are on stage. Even the very dumb people when they're doing it on stage, you know, uh, uh, you know, or it's it's incredible. So, but it was always that that the stress is on, not what you sound like, but just not try to get your point across as clearly as you can for the other character on stage, and also to for the audience. Yeah. And I mean, that's like 
at least today in 2020 and, and you know recently that's like half the fun of Shakespeare right there is the moment when you feel like an audience is like I'm, I'm getting it yeah. I'm totally getting it why, why this is funny or juicy or evil or blah, like that they that you have them and it stops becoming I have to interpret this or enjoy it in a different way because it's a Shakespeare play yeah. uh, that it becomes English again <laughs> right. you know right that's a good way to say it I think it's not English and it's ridiculous yeah. you know that's a great way to say it it becomes Shakespeare becomes English again in the right uh, in the right hands and tongues and lips um uh, uh from yeah, for my money, it, it, it's one of the, one of the greatest love stories in Shakespeare is the one between Hal Henry V and his father Henry IV, yeah. and it's 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 twisted and it's messed up like as are many relationships between uh, uh, fathers and sons. Um, how did you how did you did you work with three directors on the three plays or were did I did, yes. Okay. It was a different director for each, for part one, part two, and uh, Henry V, uh, which at first I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be uniform. It actually turned into a gift because each one of those plays is so different. Yeah. And while I definitely want to be the same person, I have this incredible gift to do it chronologically within two years, uh, one and two playing uh, in rep, Yeah. that... It did because it forced me to have the same conversations with different people oh. about about a person, and and you had the same father in each, right? Yes, yes, yes. The, the, the same cast, at, with, right? With the same yeah. actor, yeah. Uh, uh, Jeffrey King playing uh, my dad. I don't know if he goes by Jeffrey. I think it's Jeff. Let's go with Jeff. I call him Jeff. Uh, but no, that it's right for those reasons. It's like it was a constant like, where are we now? What are the things that are being unsaid? Why is he so angry with them now, as opposed to that last scene yeah. in this play again? And um, I don't know. It also for, when you work with different people. At least for me, I love working with different directors because they shake me out of the habits that I have. Mm. And a lot of times, I'll, I'll get upset because I'm like, hmm, I don't think the scene is about this. And usually, you know, I'll be uh, going home from rehearsal. I'm like, oh, I see what they're trying to do. Like totally. Like I, I need it to because if I'm working completely comfortably all the time or doing exactly what I want to be doing, that's yeah. that's not being a collaborator. And that's you know what we what we have to be. Um, and luckily, I had all three were incredibly smart directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liliana Blaine Cruz, Part One, Carl Colfield part two and Rosa Josie and uh, Henry V. And that Henry V was so physical and theatrical yeah. and so different from the Henry IVs. Yeah. It was it was like it was so fun to see you playing the same character, but in a wildly different style. Yeah, a, a completely different style. The and image of you trying to march across the battlefield, being pulled on by the other opposing armies, yeah. was so theatrical and so evocative and just incredibly powerful. It was very cool how conceptually different they got to be, and that the, that part one and part two were actually very um, almost in. Props were props. Yeah. Things were things. The whole world Absolutely. was very lived out. Absolutely. And uh, Henry V was very sparse and uh, symbolic and metaphorical. Very, very cool. Did you have an elevator pitch for, um, in, in thinking about the journey of Callow Hal from East Cheap to King of England at the Battle of Agincourt? Did, did, what was that story for you in your mind? Not at the beginning, okay. but I did discover it in the end in terms of what my thesis was. And I, and I actually, that's thanks to a professor who gave me permission to do that. My, my mentor, like I said, Lawrence Valley, he said, uh, I always hate it when people give me the character sheets on the very first day of rehearsal because it's like, I don't know the guy yet. I don't know why he does what he does. I'll tell, I'll tell you on closing why I think he did what he did. And that, that gives you permission that, yeah, it's a living, breathing thing, even in performance. Obviously, I'm not like doing completely different things every time, but to get to the answer of 
why it's not it's not so easy, but um, it's my favorite play. Henry V is my favorite play, and Hal to Henry is my favorite character. This is why it was always a dream project, not just because his growth is so juicy, but that it can it really can be interpreted in so many different ways. Even just the last uh, actor to play Hal at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, John Tufts, had a completely different approach, and I loved his performance as it. It's that awesome thing that uh, at least Henry V allows you, which is that it's it's a character study. And it, because it is that, it allows you, half the fun is how differently is this person going to, or this production going to interpret him or her. Um, it was very, very, uh, it was a gift. It was a gift for an actor to be able to do where you're building the origin story and the foundation of this character. And then the third one is all about all the other characters looking at being like, what is he about? Is he good? Is he bad? I don't know. Do we trust him? Do we like him even? And uh, there's so much there's so much fun in that. And the between the Falstaff and the dad stuff, I mean, I have daddy issues, so like that's like very easy for me <laughs> to like get to. It's, uh, it's a gift to get to do all of them in order, yeah. Isaac Phillips, Producing Artistic Director at the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? Right now, the only place to see the remote Shakespeare Company is online. We've created a brand new page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, and a playlist on our YouTube page, where right this second you can watch us perform many of our epic abridgments from the comfort of your own shelter. You can also grab your own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Maisels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. And now back to my conversation with Daniel Jose Molina, talking about his performances of Hal in both parts of Henry IV, and then the title role of Henry V at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I think it might be my favorite scene in Shakespeare is the night before the Battle of Agincourt when Henry walks amongst his troops. Do, did, what, what, what was that like? Tell me what it was like to do that scene. Now I'm just fanboying. Yeah, it's not... It's not it's, I don't know. I, it was very fun to feel like you know what I don't have to prepare so much for this role because my preparation was part one and part two and now all I have to do is he's in this situation what is this kid going to do uh, and just giving myself permission to listen and in rehearsal fail and come up with messy uh, choices and that. But I tried to be as present as I could in Henry V because it was my favorite. I didn't want to get in my own way uh, or to try to do too much rather than just let it be this uh, this breeding thing. Also, too, it was a long-running show. We did 136 of them. But uh, back to my, my, my idea, if I had a map for what I was thinking of, what seemed right to me was that... I was so terrified about playing him because he is my favorite, and I think I read it somewhere. Or maybe I was drunk and like a, a like I don't know what an incredible older actor like told me the secret of it. And it's Hal is just as terrified about being Henry the Fifth the right way, too, as Daniel is in playing the roles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and there's that took so much pressure off of me because so much of the drama of the play is how do I be 
a good leader. Uh, and what I loved so much about your both your performance and the production is that it embraced the fact that that in East Cheap, Hal is getting. Hal isn't a tourist in East Cheap. He belongs there. He loves this life. And given another opportunity and a choice, he would love to stay in this life and be with Falstaff and be robbing people in the woods and just be whoring and catting about. And it's one of the reasons I don't care for Tom Hiddleston's performance because he's absolutely slumming it. Right. Yeah. He's right. everybody knows he's the prince, and they the, well, they never stop reminding us that he's the prince. And you were absolutely not that. You were just some low life in East Cheap with everybody else. And I love that choice. But that was conscious, I guess, for you guys. It is. It is. And it's 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 a discussion that has to be had because it's very easy for anyone who's familiar with the play to point out, wait a minute, in that first I know you all speech that Hal has, very first soliloquy, he states out this whole plan that he is pretending. This is all gonna, this is all an act. This will, he knows he'll be king soon and he'll leave these people behind. And even better, it's this incredible PR stunt that he's going to pull because he will be so bad that then he will be so good that he will shine even And I'm like... How interesting is that to sustain for three plays in terms of that? First of all, that's a sociopath. (laughs) That does that. You invested, what, two years of your life meeting these people every day, coming, drinking as an as an act, as like a you're you're, he's leaving on another planet. I I decided that it, I think it's way more interesting if he's a kid who's in denial. He's like, I can stop drinking tomorrow if I wanted to, but there's no reason for me to. I'll be king. It'll be fine. You know what? It'll be even better. Right. Yeah. Check this out. Because, and I loved that attitude because as a step one, that's so much fun as an actor to then knowing that I was going to be Henry V. It's fun seeing the future king deny. Deny, yeah. deny. No, fuck. I can stop any t- I love that. Yeah. Or, or even be pissed about it. Fine. I'll be the king. Right. I'm not going to be happy about it. Um, um, you also had a, an incredible supporting cast. You played opposite uh, certainly the best Falstaff I've ever seen live. G, the late, uh, sadly, yes. G. Valmont Thomas uh, playing Falstaff, who got every bit of pathos and sincerity, but also every laugh. And his relationship, your relationship between the two of you was phenomenal. What was it like bouncing off of that? Keeping up, keeping up with him. I mean, he's been uh, just, he's been everything. I don't want to be like, he's been a clown so many times. No, he knows how to make people laugh in a very genuine way. It's, he was Falstaff, without being as big as Falstaff. He was, he was just magnetic and um, the most experienced about everything and then will not hesitate to give you his opinion in contradiction to yours, like immediately. And it was that where I said, you know what? The hard part is done. And for me, the hard part is, why is this person giving away their royalty, their status, to be around someone like Falstaff? And you have to see why he's magnetic. He's the hands. He is the most interesting person in those plays. Yeah, they're his plays, yeah. especially part two. Right, uh, which is difficult to stage. And I think that there's a way you do it. Is you make it's him. It's yep. his play. Yep. Uh, and that was so easy. Not even easy. That was our gift. That was our like selling point right there for the whole production. So a lot of it was listening and and learning where it wasn't. It wasn't acting because we we really were having that 
much fun with him. And the idea that he was in the middle of rehearsal uh, fighting terminal cancer and playing this role, and he wasn't there anymore for five it wasn't. It wasn't fair. It's not fair that we have to be living it that close to truth. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if if anything, hopefully, he felt as honored as we did to be around him and having him play a role that he almost might have been even bigger than. He's he was just truly a gift to our whole production and to me in terms of how I went for it. Made it it made it so much more real for me. Absolutely. And and you also had a fantastic hotspur in part one. So often when you see a, a Henry IV one, you go, I want the hotspur. I want to feel about the hotspur like, oh, he could have played Henry. He could have played Hal. Yeah. Um, and I did feel that, except with your hotspur, I went, oh, she could have played Hal. <laughs> because your hotspur was Alejandra Escalante, who is also your partner in real life? She is my wife, yeah. We met uh, uh, playing Romeo and Juliet opposite each other at that <laughs> OSF in uh, 2012, which is like, it's the funny, we've been Miranda and Ferdinand, where apparently we come as a package, but... Uh, <laughs> When they offered her the role, I still remember it, because this was whether or not, are we going to go back to OSF? We were in New York at the time, and I was going to, I didn't tell her this, but I was going to go back no matter what, because it was Hal, and I was going to do it. But um, she was seeing, they were doing a couple other plays that, in roles that she was up for, and then a complete surprise, they, they offered her a hotspur. And her first reaction was like, what? Come on, that's not... That's not cool. No, I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to say no. And I knew she was she was going to accept it. But it's just that that instinct of like, but they didn't even talk to me about it. They just gave it. And I was, you know, she seized it and completely made it her own. And the whole time, uh, you know, after rehearsal, we'd both be together and go to the bar and then be headed home. And as often as I could tell her, I'm like, you know how much harder your role is than mine, right? Like line by line, scene by scene. Pound for pound, Hotspur is ten times harder than Hal. Yeah. Anybody can be a reluctant hero. Yeah. What Hotspur? I mean, even the the sentences, his language is so peculiar. Um, you gotta be on a hundred and ten percent every single show because your name literally implies your attitude of hostility and forth and quick to temper and uh, it demands a lot of an act. You can't breeze your way through a performance of Hotspur. Um, so I give her so much credit for being... And then also the entire time of she had people in her ear telling her that, you know, a woman shouldn't be playing. I think the role makes a lot no, more sense. Really? No shit? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that, that really got in her head in terms of this imposter syndrome thing of she feels like she shouldn't be the the one doing it, which first, I'll state it right here first of all. It's like, these plays are 400 years old. I don't give a shit who plays who. Just do it right. Just do it. Just give me the story. She was so good, and, and, and I don't even know to this day, because I'm not sure I should ask you because you're sitting right here. Did you change the pronouns? Oh, we did. You we did. did to she's and daughters, and uh, because okay. she goes by she, her, hers. I could because I don't. I didn't honestly remember that, and it didn't. Yeah. I only thought about it later because it didn't bother me because this Hotspur clearly had something. If, if Hal's the reluctant hero, 
Alejandra's Hotspur felt like he had something to prove. Yeah. She had something to prove. And also that feels like that was brought in from the actor playing him as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I love that you put it that way. It, it is. It's this weird thing of when they finally uh, square off against each other. Their their ambitions have become the same one, and they kind they, there's that whole like, you know this town's not big enough for the two of us. It's, it's literally is ripped out. It's exactly the line. And she made some great physical choices too. I mean, it wasn't just you know spreading, uh, grabbing your crotch and strutting with your le- your legs spread. It was it was just the way she kind of bulked up and beefed up and worked from her shoulders and and it was it was just so physical a performance that you don't see usually. It's just I don't know. Right. She was great. It's uh, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm so she'll be thrilled to hear you say that and I agree because it's this fantastic thing where these it is such a machismo role yeah, yeah. In terms, just interpreting it at face value and whoever's decision behind it to make Henry Percy be female and to not lose any of that we're not changing the play we're not changing the qualities of this character they just happen to be female now. Uh, it was brilliant. It was br- it was brilliant in terms of the setup of now we find the right female actor, female identifying actor to kill it, and uh, I, I knew that she would. And then after, after having worked with her so uh, closely before, even though they just have one scene together, it was just a th- it was a thing, a very familiar feeling that we had in Romeo and Juliet. Which is the the baton? It's like the you and one other actor are the ones driving this play, and actually Romeo and Juliet. What is it? Three scenes together, four scenes together, not that many. And it's this feeling of like, my banish scene sucked today. Hope yours is better. Kill it. And we pass each other, you know, going backstage. And it's like, it is. It's this trade off of you're working in this almost like a two hand. No, there are many other people in it, but uh, in terms of the action of the play, it felt that way again. And uh, it was very cool. It was a gift again to, to have someone else, uh, another loved one around while doing something very, very big for me. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your Shakespearean dream role, even your reduced Shakespearean dream role, via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSC Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and you can follow Daniel on Twitter at dmolin20, and you can find him on Instagram, too, at dannymo, D-A-N-E-E-M-O-H. Thanks, as always, to youthful scalawag Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Tim Stevens. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Brian Isaac Phillips, producing artistic director of the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, where, in a world without COVID, I would be right now in rehearsals to act in their production of Little Women, which has now been postponed and will hopefully happen eventually. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, stay home, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 723 2069ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. My God, you've played Hal in both parts of Henry IV, and you've played Henry V. It's kind of all downhill from here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. It's totally over. Uh, there is a there is a little bit of a feeling that way of I have to rediscover 
other dream roles. And it's tough because I, uh, I'm 31, I'm, I'm still a young man, but it's that in-between gap thing where it's like I... I'm more than happy nowadays. I'm more than happy to play anything. But like, I'll do I'll do a lover now. Where before I'd be like, mm, I've been Romeo and Ferdinand, and you know, Love's Labors was great because there's so much of a comedy element to it. I was just recently sure. in Love's Labors, uh, and you're working as like a group. It, it, it's it's fun. But in terms of those like just run of the mill lover, you know, young lover, uh, it's hard for me to feel very very excited about it uh, again especially after being so spoiled by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival um, I can't wait to get a little older and get into some histories um, I, uh, obviously I, I look at Hamlet and it horrifies me uh, I um, Edmund and Lear uh, is so amazing I'll take Edgar too, it's so hard uh, the um, Coriolanus is always a little older than I want him to be, and I'm like, I don't know, I'd love to do that. But I'm I'm such a nerd for all of them that like I, I can find myself being in and any and like I said now, just any theater, uh, it doesn't matter the role. I'll carry a spear again. I'm really good at it. I did it for a, a long time. I'll get back in there. Um, yeah. Well, if theaters ever open again, uh, here's to you, fella. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, Austin. Yeah, to that. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.